the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed the Bob France Authority. Good morning to you. Thank you for joining us at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Wednesday, the 11th morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord, 2019. It's 8.52 here in New York. I'm Brian Gumble. We understand that there has been a plane crash on the uh, southern tip of Manhattan. You're looking at the uh, World Trade Center. We understand that a plane has crashed into the World Trade Center. We don't know anything more than that. We don't know if it was a commercial aircraft. We don't know if it was a private aircraft. We have no idea how many were on board or what, is, what the extent of the injuries are right now. We are. Uh, we have. I understand an eyewitness on the phone right now, sir. Sir, good morning. This is Bryant Gumbel. Could you tell? Could you give us your name? Yeah, my name is Stuart. Stuart, where are you right now? I'm working at a restaurant in Soho. All right. So tell us what you saw, if you would. I literally. I was waiting at a table, and I literally saw a. It seemed to be like a small plane. I just heard a couple noises. It looked like it like bounced off the building, and then I heard a. I just saw a huge, like ball of fire on top, and then the smoke seemed to simmer down. And it just, um, you know, a lot of smoke was coming out, and that's pretty much the extent of what I saw. Can you tell us about the scene down there right now? Um, right now, people are just on the street looking at the building. The building, it was just a lot of smoke. Um, it's not too crazy down where I am. How, but, um, how far away from the World Trade Center specifically are you? I'm actually on Thompson Street North. It's, I'm not too, too far. It's 8.54 right now. Stuart, can you tell me when this happened exactly? I would have to say about 10 minutes ago. Were you looking up as the plane approached the building, or did, you, did it only call your, 
catch your attention after it uh, it crashed into the World Trade Center? I heard uh, like a sort of a crashing sound, but I looked up and I looked up quick enough to actually see something go into the building. But everything happened so fast, I wasn't quite sure what I was looking at. So there's no way you can know whether or not the plane seemed to be in trouble before no, no. before it crashed into the building. Oh no, I, I no, I couldn't tell. It's it's hard for us to tell um, from the picture we're seeing just uh, how far down from the top that plane crashed. Um, have you any better eyesight to it um, from your vantage point? Not really. All I know is it definitely wasn't the top top of the building because that seems to be intact from what I saw. Obviously, um, the uh, the timing of this is is important. Um, it comes before nine o'clock. Um, perhaps, perhaps, and, and, and we say that in hopeful fashion, perhaps not everybody was at work um, because uh, if, if that building was in fact crowded with, uh, with workers, we're looking at, uh, at, at probably some, uh, some casualties and, and, and injuries of, of considerable proportions. But, uh, but right now there's, there's no way of telling that. We're on the line with um, uh, another eyewitness. Um, sir, this is Brian Gumbel in New York. Oh, how um, you doing? I'm fine, thank you. You're Wendell? Yes, I am. Wendell, can you give me your last name? Klein. Wendell Klein. Um, tell me where you are, if you would. Well, right now I'm in, back in the hotel. I'm in the hotel offices here, the front office. You're in the... Okay, where were you when... when I, the, I was standing right in front of the trade, um, the hotel. I'm the doorman there. And... Um, the hotel, point? the hotel. Which hotel? Marriott World Trade Center. Right across from the World Trade Center. It's actually right in between. Them. Right in between the World Trade Center. Yes. Okay, so you were standing outside, and tell us what you saw and what you heard. Well, well what I, I heard first, an explosion, and I just figured that it was a plane passing by. Then all of a sudden, stuff just started falling, like bricks and paper and everything. And so I just kind of like ran like inside to get away from the falling debris and glass and so forth. Then... After like everything stopped because it like was falling in the street and the cars were crashing through each other, and then when it kind of stopped, I heard a guy screaming. And when I looked over, there was this guy that was on fire. So I kind of like ran over, and I tried to like put the fire out on him. And he was he was like screaming, and I just told him to roll, and he said he can't. And then another guy came over with his uh, bag and kind of like put the fl the flames out on him. So. Right now, um, he's being taken care of. I just everyone called the ambulance and stuff so it can help him out. He caught fire as a result of the falling debris. Yeah. Um, how much debris? Can you give us an idea of how much came oh, crashing man. to the ground? It's just a lot. Um, bricks, a lot of bricks, a lot of glass. Um, I'm like enough to like damage cars on the street, make cars swerve into each other, that kind of thing. I hear alarms going off down yeah. there. What, what's what's happening? That's our hotel alarm, and basically. I guess that went off automatically. They've evacuated everyone in the hotel. They evacuated all employees. They have evacuated the hotel? Yes. Immediately? Yes. Are you hearing anything, Wendell, about what kind of a plane it was no. or, or no. how many were on board? No. All right. Mr. Klein, thank you very much, sir. I understand Teresa Renault is with us right now. Ms. Renault, good morning. Good morning. How this are is, you? This is Bryant Gumbel. I'm down on uh, 59th and 5th. Where are you? I am in Chelsea, and we are at 8th and 16th. We are the tallest building in the area, and we my window faces south, uh, so it looks directly onto the World Trade Center. And I would say, you know, approximately 10 minutes ago, there was a major explosion from probably, uh, it looks like about the 80th floor. It looks like it's affected probably four to eight floors. Uh, major flames are coming out of the let's see the north side and also the east side of the building yes 
and it was very loud explosion followed by flames and it looks like the building is still on fire on the inside um, which building are we talking about the one that's westernmost um, let's see yes sir did you hear the explosion oh, from yes. your position yes we did as a matter of fact we we heard it and and because I was just like standing there pretty much looking out the window I didn't see what caused it or if there was an impact so you have no idea right oh, now? Oh, there's another one. Another plane just hit. <gasps> right. Oh, my God. Another plane has just hit. It hit another building. Flew right into the middle of it. Explosion. My God, it's right in the middle of the building. This one into the east tower. Yes. Yes. Right in the middle of the building. And right now, that, yes, that was definitely looked like it was on purpose. You saw a yes, plane? Yes, I just saw a plane go into the building. Why do you say that was definitely on purpose? Because it just it just flew straight into it. It looks like it's about, uh, I would say, 15 floors lower than the first building, and there is now flames coming out of that building as well. They're both completely on fire. Now, Teresa, hang on with us one second. We're going okay. uh, to re-rack the tape of when we were talking to you to see if we can tell... Okay. Um, we can't see anything. We can't see a second plane in the picture. There we see the explosion. Eighteen years ago this morning, that was the scene. I think it can best be described as chaotic for those looking from the outside. Hell on earth for those experiencing it on the inside. That was one of many live broadcasts that were, of course, chronicling the events as they unfolded the day the world changed. That was CBS in New York. Bryant Gumbel, as you heard, was very confused. Couldn't quite tell from the vantage point he had, describing the towers as he saw them on his screen as being east and west, as opposed to their general... Uh, acknowledgement of being the North Tower and uh, Tower and the South Tower. Couldn't see the plane from their vantage point. Just saw the explosion. Trying to make sense of what they were witnessing. The problem was that there was no way to make sense of what they were witnessing. Eighteen years later, we can't make sense of what we were witnessing. I've been doing radio for about 22 years, and every year since 9-11, on this date, I have devoted my entire show to the commemoration of the event on the anniversary. I have devoted my show to expressing my love and our love and our support for victims and victims' families our love and our support for surviving first responders and their families, and our love and our support for the heroes who saved untold numbers of lives that day. Today will be no different. We're not going to talk about the news of the day. We're not going to talk about Ambassador Bolton being removed as National Security Advisor. We're not going to talk about AOC and any of the insanity you just heard on uh, Kurt's program for Hugh. We are going to talk about 9-11. We're going to talk about what happened that day. We're going to talk about what is happening today. 
We're going to talk about what has transpired in 18 years that changed our world, that changed our country. We're going to talk about where we were on that day. I've told this story now 17 times. I will tell my story of where I was for an 18th time coming up in a few moments. Where I was, how I felt, what I learned, and I want to hear from you as well. We promised as a nation on September 11th, 2001, maybe it was on September 12th, after the shock began to wear off, we promised we would never forget. We promised we would never forget what happened, why it happened, who caused it to happen, and how it happened. Because if we do, we will be powerless to stop it from happening again. Many of us have kept that promise. Many others seem bound and determined to break it. They don't want you to remember. Not all of it. They want you to remember that, well, how did Representative Ilhan Omar put it? Some people did something. That's it. That's all you need to know. You don't need to know who those people were. You don't need to know what those people did. You just need to know that some people did something. And remember that there used to be buildings there. That's not going to be the case, not on my watch. We are going to remember. We are going to relive the chaos. We are going to relive the terror. Because if you do not, it will become sanitized. And we cannot allow the most horrific day in the history of this country with respect to its citizens and civilians. We cannot allow that to become sanitized. It's 920. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. WHKRadio.com is where to find the Bob France Authority podcast. Continuing on a special commemorative edition as we remember 9-11, as we all promised that we would. The uh, times should be pretty much uh, embedded in our memories. At 8.46, the first plane hit the North Tower uh, in Lower Manhattan. That was Flight 11. At 9.03, the South Tower was struck uh, by uh, Flight 175. At 9.37, Flight 77 crashed into the Pentagon. So that'll be the next one on this morning's timeline. At 9.59, right before our top of the hour news, that will be the commemorative, commemorative moment that the South Tower actually collapsed, shocking the world. At 10.07, Flight 93 will have crashed into the ground in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. And at 1028, the devastation and destruction will be complete as the North Tower 
collapses. I, um, as I said in the opening monologue, I, I do this every year that I'm blessed to be, uh, to be on the radio and, and have the ability to talk to people. Um, for 17 years now, this is the 18th anniversary, so 17 times I have told the story of where I was, and I'm going to tell it again, and I'm going to ask you where you were, and I want to know what you felt at that moment, and I want to know how your feelings have changed over the course of nearly two decades. How have your feelings changed in 18 years? For me, I was in Walnut Creek, California, when the world changed. My wife and I had moved there in uh, early 2000 uh, as I took a radio job in San Francisco, of all places, right? Um, My daughter had been born three weeks prior, on the 18th of August. She was the most beautiful little thing in the world, and I got up early that morning to feed her. And as you know, it's at 9 o'clock in the morning here in East Coast time. It's 6 o'clock morning West Coast time. So I was up early. And, of course, as I went into the nursery to rock her and feed her, um, you know, you, you need to try to stay awake. So I flipped the television on that I had in there for those late night or early morning type things. And I flipped on the television and saw, well, what the rest of the world was seeing. The North Tower had already been hit when I turned on the radio, and they were doing the same broadcast that I played for you in the opening segment of the show. And then the South Tower was hit on live television. And I remember screaming for my wife to come into the room. She was in bed, and I screamed for her to come in. And I said to her these words. I don't know why, but I said to her, what did we do? And she said, what? And I said, what did we do? How could we bring this little baby into this world? And I just pointed at the television. And uh, that was all I could think about is, oh, my God, I brought innocence into this world of Eve. I, I couldn't process any more than anybody else could at that moment in time. Didn't know who, didn't know why, just knew it was happening and knew it was intentional. And we... We were just devastated. We were panicked. We wondered what on earth we were going to do. How can we raise a child in this? Now, those are momentary thoughts and feelings and discussions and so on and so forth. Time and deeper understanding of what was going on certainly changed that view. But that was my first introduction to the new world that we are in today. The world of radical, not that it was new radical Islamic extremism. They tried it once in 93 when they detonated a massive bomb in the parking garage beneath one of the towers. They tried, the goal there was to try to uh, destroy the base of the tower, the foundation, in the hopes that it would tip and fall into the other and both would collapse. So it wasn't a new idea, but this time it worked. And it made the world different. It made the world new. That was my introduction to it at that moment. I spent the rest of the day gathering as much information as I could, knowing that I had to go on the air that afternoon. I was doing an afternoon drive program in San Francisco and that I would have to talk about something like this without having any idea how to do it. I couldn't process it then. I have spent 18 years processing it. Why? Because we promised. When we say 
we will never forget, we have to mean we will never forget. And I have watched and read as many books and seen as many documentaries and have heard from as many eyewitnesses and experts as I possibly can to understand all I can understand about 9-11. And I will tell you this, uh, as long as you are around me on this day, there will be no sanitization of the news. There will be no uh, trying to uh, just put it past us, put it behind us, look forward. I will examine every square inch of it and relive it because that is the only way we can keep our promise to never forget. It's 9.30, time for news. Your turn. 216-901-0945, 888-281-1110. The Bob France Authority is right back. Now the Bob France Authority on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. There is a debate on this nine eleven online. Seems to be a debate on everything online in social media world. The social media world. There's a debate as to whether or not people should be posting pictures and videos of the nine eleven attack. The belief is that it's time to move on. The belief is that it's time for uh, us to just look forward rather than looking backward at the terror. We can remember that something happened. We can remember that it was awful. We can remember uh, all of those things. But we don't need to continue to to harp on it, to to live in the in the in the horror of the attack itself or the attacks themselves. And so, if you're going to post a picture of the World Trade Center, many are arguing in this debate, if you're going to do that, put pictures of the World Trade Centers as they were in their glory. Post pictures of of the new Freedom Tower, if you will. Post pictures of heroes like firemen and firefighters for the work that they did that day. But don't post pictures and videos of the actual attacks. The idea that this is even possible is beyond my comprehension. The idea that this is a debate is something that I can't quite wrap my brain around. I will never, ever allow the date to be sanitized. And I don't care if I, if I live to be 110, I will always feel this way. I will not allow future generations to not understand what radical Islamic terrorists did to us on that day, changing our world. I will never allow this to just be Ilhan Omar. Some people did something. For many of us, it was our real first introduction to radical Islamic terrorism. Terrorism, for those who are ignorant of the word, is not just killing people to terrorize them. There is a goal. There is a political goal. Terrorism involves killing and scaring and frightening and and attacking 
with a purpose uh, of, of with, with an end game that is political in nature. Osama bin Laden had been saying for years that they he wanted and others like him the United States to stop quote interfering in Muslim affairs or Arab affairs or Middle Eastern affairs and that if you continue to come over here and interfere with us we are going to come over there and and interfere with you I use that word very loosely obviously this was this is something that I I cannot underscore enough when I talk about these things and if you if you think that I'm going to comply with this let's not show uh, let's not show the 9/11 t- uh, photos the the terror uh, that was that was committed on that day if you in, in the videos if you think I'm going to play that game you don't know me very well Right now, if you are a personal Facebook friend of mine, you will see a lot of very, a lot of very important stories. If you are a regular, not a personal friend, but just a Facebook follower on France Radio, you're going to see a bit of a different story because I can't quite get them all there. But what you are going to see is my very direct statement about this. And my statement about this is you will not allow the political correctness of today to erase the horror and the terror of that day. We're not going to, well, we want to get along. Everybody should hold hands. Everybody should kumbaya. Don't blame Muslims. Well, I'm not blaming Muslims. I'm blaming those Muslims. And I'm blaming the ideology that those Muslims followed. I'm blaming the faith that those Muslims claimed and if anybody shares that, that's on them. But I'm absolutely not going to sanitize this for the purposes of PC, for the purposes of not hurting feelings. Do not tell me we should not post pictures of the carnage of 9-11. This is what I put on Facebook. We promised we would never forget, and the easiest way to make us forget is to sanitize the horror by not letting people see it. How many children were not yet born? I told you the story of where I was. I was holding my three-week-old child, my first child, on that day when I saw what happened, feeding her. How many children like that were not yet born or just were, were very, very young and too young to know what was going on? Millions. We owe it to the victims and to the heroes who saved people on that day to make sure every generation understands the magnitude of what was carried out that day and the very different world they live in because of it. We will view this terror again. We will acknowledge its origin. 3,000 people were killed in the United States by radical Islamic terrorists, and they did so in the glorification of their religion. I want you to consider this. Understand this. The last sound many of those passengers heard drowned out only by the sound of their own screams when they were on those planes, the very last sound they heard was Allahu Akbar. That was the last thing they heard in their lives. Allahu Akbar. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever, ever forget that. 
Marge is in uh, Olmstead Falls on AM 1420, The Answer. Thank you for joining us, Marge. Go right ahead. Hey, um, I'm, I'm very glad that you do this every year. I'm fortunate to be able to listen to your show each day, and I wanted to call in to share. You asked us to share our remembrances of the day. I happened to be living in the metro D.C. area at the time that 9-11 happened, and um, I was in my office building just going into work in the parking garage and when the first plane struck, and I heard the announcement and thought, this is really weird. And when we got upstairs, um, a lot of us gathered in our lunchroom because we had a TV in there, and we had the TV on, and we were watching it. And we saw when the second plane hit the other tower, and I remember my first thought was, oh, my God, we're at war. And um, as far as how it's changed me, I, I'm i like you. I don't forget. It's, it's a special day to me that I remember all those people and what they did to help all the people, our, our uh, responders, first responders, and uh, I think it's very important that those of us who um, who experience the day re- speak of it to those who weren't born, who don't know about it, who are only being given this sanitized remembrance of it. So it's very important we remember this day. That is that is ex- you 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 hit the nail right on the head. It is it is important. It is it is our responsibility to make sure that the future generations know. You know they hear about. They hear about things like first responders and, you know, heroes rushed into the building and so on. But they don't know what the, what the hell that these people were rushing into was really like unless we explain that hellish experience to them and unless we show them in pictures and in videos and the words of eyewitnesses, those who were inside. They don't understand. These people knew. These, you know, these police officers, these firefighters, <clears throat> uh, and, and just everyday civilians who were already in the building and, and who were trying to evacuate, who were helping others to evacuate in front of them because some people were immobile. Uh, they tried to save lives. These people knew that they could very well be, um, you know, uh, causing, or not causing, but they, they, they could lose their own lives because of the sacrifice to others, and they did it. And, our young people and tomorrow's young people, my unborn grandchildren, unborn great-grandchildren are never going to know this if we allow the leftist media to try to sanitize this and, uh, and, 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 not, and, and not tell the true story of what exactly happened on that day. Quite true. But I thank you for what you do um, for this day to, you know, to keep the word out to people. Um, I, you know, I see less and less specials on TV each year. I do watch those on the cable, you know, on 9-11 and it. It strikes me just to seeing it a uh, first time again. Each time I see it, it's just uh, my heart goes out to all those families. I, I completely agree. I feel the exact same way. Marge, uh, thank you so much for your phone call. I appreciate it. God bless. I want to hear from more people. Where were you? What did you experience? And how do you feel about the current attempt to sanitize 9-11? If you're looking for an example, by the way, are you ready for this? If you're looking for any more, uh, a better example of what I'm talking about, when I talk about the left's attempt to sanitize the truth about 9-11, I want you to listen to this tweet to you from this morning's New York Times Twitter account. The New York Times, perhaps the most prominent newspaper in American history. The New York Times tweeted this morning about 9-11 this way. Quote, 18 years have passed since airplanes took aim and brought down the World Trade Center. Today, families will once again gather and grieve at the site where more than 2,000 people died. Did you 
Did you ponder that? Did you did you did you reflect on that for a second? Eighteen years have passed since airplanes took aim and brought down the World Trade Center. Did you know that airplanes controlled themselves? Did you know that airplanes can aim themselves? This is the New York Times trying to absolve the radical Islamic terrorists under the guidance of Barat or of, of uh, um, excuse me that was a total slip of the tongue of Osama bin Laden and of uh, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed under their guidance the 19 hijackers who committed these horrific attacks they aimed those planes the planes didn't name themselves and even the New York Times describing the casualties as more than 2,000. It has long been known that the number is 3,000. It's actually 2,900 and change, and those what, those other 900 people don't count? They're trying to minimize the actual destruction of the day, minimize the number of people lost, and blame the airplanes. It's like blaming the guns. Airplanes took aim and brought down the World Trade Center? Not radical Islamic terrorists murdering 3,000 people? The New York Times got the message early and deleted that tweet and replaced it with one that's moderately more accurate. But that lets you know what this, what is going on. We are up against, we are fighting, fighting an attempt to, to sanitize and whitewash what happened on 9-11-2001 from the history books so that future generations never understand what that was really all about. Again, I say to you, not on my watch, and hopefully not on yours either. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Now heard through downtown, through greater Cleveland, on 102.5 FM, it's the Bob France Authority. France Authority <clears throat> continuing. I want uh, you to be aware that coming up after the top of the hour, when we have our newscast, when we come back to start hour number two, by the way, we are guest free today. This isn't a day, in my opinion, to be talking to analysts and people who are going to break down 9 11 from you know, all kinds of different points of view. Those things are available, but uh, I just want to talk to you and I want to listen to you. Um, on this extraordinarily important day, doing an extraordinarily important job. Um, but coming up after the top of the hour, <clears throat> we're gonna we're gonna listen to a an excerpt from one of uh, the documentaries that I have watched that um, I feel has done a very good job through the years of capturing 
uh, as many elements of 9-11 in the order they happen, a timeline interspersed with eyewitness accounts, survivors' accounts, first responders' accounts of what they experienced on that day, as well as all of the horrific video. And I know this is radio, but uh, you'll just have to bear with me for the audio part. Uh, it's called Inside 9-11-0 Hour. One of the, again, one of the many, many documentaries that I watch on Discovery, on uh, National Geographic, on the Learning, Learning Channel, uh, networks, doesn't matter. And it's only three and a half minutes long, and you're going to hear it after the top of the hour. And I want you to be prepared for it. Because one of the most taboo subjects of 9-11 since that day, literally since 9-12, literally since 9-12 when a newspaper ran an article and a photograph about the 9-11 jumpers, that has been one of the most taboo subjects. We have been told to not pay attention to that, that it didn't happen because of the extraordinary pain and the personal decisions and choices made by people who are standing uh, at the windows uh, of those floors as the fires raged below and then on their floors, forcing them to either burn or leap and or fall. And we've been told that that is such a personal, horrific thing, it cannot be discussed. Photos should not be published. The newspaper that ran it the next day was excoriated for doing it, and 18 years later, I'm still doing it. I'm still showing it. I have video of it on my Facebook page at France Radio. I have video of it that I will uh, um, uh, put on my Twitter feed, and I will have the audio of eyewitnesses to the jumpers telling their story, describing the horror, because again, at all. Mona is in uh, South Euclid on AM 1420, The Answer. Thank you for calling us, Mona. Go right ahead. Yeah, Bob, I, I will never forget that morning. I um, attempted for a few years to teach school. I It was my first year teaching seventh grade in Cleveland, and I had a room full of 12-year-olds staring at me saying, why do they hate us? I did not have a lesson plan for that. And I remember, pull, I remember pulling down my map. I was teaching world history. Okay. And I pulled down a map, and I showed them you know, where the Middle East was and where the, the Arab countries were and so on and so forth. And I said, since Abraham, since Ishmael and Isaac, there has been enmity between these people, and it will always be. And it was not anything I planned, but these kids who, innocent or not, in Cleveland, but they wanted to know why anyone would do this. And it's not rational unless you have that kind of religious fervor. So that was how I handled it. And I'll just never forget being so taken aback by that question. If you were to so be in a classroom I, I, today, Mona, if I may, if you were in a classroom, yeah. do you still teach? I don't. 
You do not. If you were in a classroom full of the same aged kids today, 18 years later, with 18 years to watch and reflect on this, how would you answer that very same question? I think it would be very similar. I think that it would be less well-received. I think that people are so afraid to say that this is a religious fanaticism that, that, they might, that it might not be as comfortable to do it. But I hope that I would do it again. I'm sure you would, and you would be right. You were right then, and you're right now. It is religious fanaticism. And and, and all these people are doing, those people, I should say, and, and Mona, thank you so much for sharing with me this morning and uh, uh, and, and giving me your, 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 your thoughts on, on this from then and now, because this is what we have to do. Those people with their religious fanaticism, as you call it, uh, those people are merely merely following the instructions given to them by their religious leader, by their prophet. That is a fact that cannot be undone and cannot be sanitized by 18 years of time passing. It was the same then as it is now. We're right back after this. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.